is some good singing this morning. God bless you. You can be seated. Turn it over to you, Pastor. Uh, amen, amen. Always excited to start our service off with baptism. It's a good indication of lives being changed. Amen. And uh, people are realizing that they are sinners and cannot save themselves. And they're turning from their sin and trusting the only way of salvation, which is Jesus Christ. And their lives are radically being changed. And we're excited, excited about that. So, Brandon, you come up here, brother. So we get ready to baptize him. He came forward a few weeks ago, I believe it was, for salvation. He's prayed to receive the Lord. And we're excited about his decision. Just have a seat there, brother. And uh, family, I know you guys are here. Y'all stand up. Welcome the families there here this morning to be a part of this. And uh, so glad to see you. And Brandon's got two, two new loves in his life, right? The Lord and he just got married. Amen. And uh, so that's awesome. And uh, going to be able now to start that marriage relationship off on a good, solid foundation. Amen. And that's the Lord. So Brandon, based upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bear with him in baptism and raise to walk in newness of life. Amen. Amen. Boy, stand up, buddy. I love starting our services off that way. That is such an amazing way of showing an inward commitment, an outward expression of an inward commitment. I love, love that. Well, if you're visiting with us this morning, thank you for uh, taking your time to come and visit with us here at Concord today. We're excited that you're here. And I would love for you to fill out a little form, drop in the offer plate, or you can just bring it in the back. Pastor Levi or one of our uh, visitor uh, people back there will be glad to uh, receive that from you and give you a little gift from us. So once again, we're glad you're here. All right. Well, you guys stand up. Find somebody that you don't know. Tell them it's good to see them at Concord this morning. Do it right now.
the splendor of a king. Come on, church, sing with me. Clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, let all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide. He trembles at his voice. service today but lord this says that my heart will sing lord your word says and it it compels us to to be with our whole heart it tells us god not half-heartedly not to do it half-heartedly today but with our whole heart to seek you and god your word promises us that we will find you if we seek you with a whole heart so father i pray that this morning that would be our heart cry Lord, it would not just to be to lift up lip service to you and to sing out with our voice, but Lord, help our heart to sing today. Lord, we desire to pour out this morning, and I, I pray that. I can't do it for these folks, Lord. We, I, want, I want to so bad, but Lord, I know that it's got to be you. It's got to be their own personal heart's desire to say that you are the name above all names. You are worthy of our praise. And my heart will sing today, how great is my God. Oh God, let our soul and our heart sing this morning. And may it be ready to receive what you have for us in this place today. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to
believe that this morning say amen and uh, you can go ahead and be seated so excited to be able to be here this morning I uh, had a great service in our first uh, hour so I'm trusting the Lord to speak to your heart today I want to go ahead and let all the men know that indeed tonight is our men's conference uh, it starts at 5 30 that's the only thing that the church will be doing this evening so at 5 30 you men show up you get a steak dinner then you come in here and also get fed from God's word so we'd encourage you to be a part of that it's going to be an awesome awesome time if you've not signed up for that you can do so before you leave today please do that in the foyers 15 bucks and that just covers the cost of uh, the meat amen so you come it'd be a great great time and uh, I had a great day yesterday we all went out golfing and um, I think we ended up having about 70 something men out there golfing and from what I understand it was best ball for all the teams and I was on a team and we tied for last place God bless us and uh, it's all good but you know the Bible says that the first shall be last and the last shall be first that's right. That's what happens. You use those Bible verses to your advantage, you know what I'm saying? I knew it was real bad. Uh, where's my team at? You guys are here. Look at all them sorry juggers back here. Raise your hand up. Uh, Nick Ball led the crew. God bless him. But anyway, so uh, you're the man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, a sad, it was a sad day when, you know, you play best ball and most of those were mine. Right? Right? <laughs> they didn't, they're not moving. But anyway, so... Uh, all right. Hey, listen, we're going to pray about that. Also, discipleship classes are going to start on Wednesday. We obviously have our church conference in here prior to that, and uh, it'll be an opportunity to approve the new budget for the new year. If you want to get a look at that uh, before Wednesday, there's some located in the foyer. You can grab hold of those. But we're going to start our discipleship classes, small groups for men and women. So all of you ladies, there's eight options, eight classes you can sign up for and get involved. And men, likewise for you, there's eight classes you can sign up and get involved in. And I want to challenge you to do that. Listen, one of our goals this year was to spend time in God's Word every day. And each of these Bible studies are geared up to actually help you to do that. So there's daily opportunities to spend time with the Lord. And I'm, I'm just, you know, just from personal experience, you grow greater in your relationship with the Lord when you spend time with Him every single day. So I want to challenge you to get involved in that. We'll have a great, great time. But we're going to pray now and continue to worship the Lord. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you for our time together this morning. And uh, Lord, really want to hear from heaven today. So we ask that you'd speak clearly to our hearts. And God, I pray that the enemy would not have a foothold in any person's life, but you would open up doors of opportunity for the gospel of Jesus to change people, but also the gospel of Jesus to change marriages as we look at that this morning. And God, I thank you for the men's ministry here at Concord and how you're really just boiling in that ministry as we've talked about through the book of Philippians. And I give you glory for that. And look forward to tonight, Lord. I pray that you would bring men who are ready to hear from you. And God, you would strengthen them in your word as you teach us how to fight the spiritual battles that we face as men. And Lord, as well, I pray for these discipleship classes beginning on Wednesday nights, that you would open up just a plethora of opportunity for spiritual maturity and discipleship. And God, I'm trusting that many men and women before they leave today will indeed sign up and even get books. And God, we look forward to that. Now, Lord, just grab hold of our hearts as we place all of our attention upon you and do a great work in our lives today as we worship you. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. greatest love of all 
forgiven so that I can forgive. Here I'll stand, knowing that I'm your desire, sanctified by glory and fire. James, orchestra, you guys did a phenomenal job leading us this morning, and what a great, great day. Let's bow together as we prepare our hearts for God's Word. Father, uh, once again, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would use our time together for your glory, and that you would draw people to yourself, uh, that you would begin even now working on marriages. God, I know that this is a, uh, a subject that applies to a lot of people, so Lord, I just pray that it would be used for your namesake. And God, I ask that you'd give me unction from heaven, just fill me with your spirit and allow me to deliver the message that you would have desired uh, this morning. God, as well, if there's something that I have not thought of that needs to be said, Lord, I pray that you would bring it to mind. As well, Lord, if there are things that I have thought about saying that I should not, Lord, I pray that you'd burn them from my memory. But God, do a great work today and draw people and we'll give you glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray and everybody said, Amen. Well, I, I met this guy in a restaurant in middle Georgia. Uh, he held a high-level job with a high-level corporation. He's considered a whiz at management and leadership and has been rewarded greatly in the workplace. And the reason for our time together on this occasion was to discuss biblical management principles to be exercised in the workplace. And the reason for our time together literally was so that he could share with me different kinds of management styles that he uses 
in the workplace. He got extremely excited to be able to share this with me because he had just been placed on a new team that was going around and assessing the productivity of many uh, large manufacturing companies. And so I asked him how they did this. How did you really go in there and decide how that company was doing? He says, well, we gauge their productivity by four major colors. So I said, well, explain a little further. He said, well, you got four colors. There's red, yellow, green, and blue. He says, if there is a plant that is in the red, that means that they are a month or so behind schedule. And then if they are in the yellow, it means they're only about a week or so behind schedule. And then if they're in the green, it means they're right on target or where they need to be as a manufacturing plant. And then if it's in the blue, it literally means that they are ahead of schedule. They're just doing a phenomenal job. Now, what you don't know about this conversation with this man in the restaurant is that I was fully aware that he was having some unbelievable marital issues. And so as he began to talk about the four colors of marriage, I was really praying that the Lord would give me an opening so that I could talk to him and move the conversation to his marriage. And he did. And so immediately I remember just kind of piping up and saying, well, that's awesome, man. But tell me this, what color is your marriage? And then he responded after he looked like I'd slapped him upside the head. He said, well, my marriage is in the red, man. There's no doubt that it's in the red. So my response was, well, if you find a manufacturing plant that is in the red, what do you do? He says, well, we build a strategy for them and set goals so that they can move to the next color, which is yellow, and we progress through the entire color scheme. I said, well, we need to do the same thing with your marriage. We need to discover what a marriage in the red looks like, and then we need to build a strategy to get you to the yellow. And so we began to work. And I remember driving home on that uh, particular afternoon, headed back up I-75. I was praying because I only had a few weeks left and I was gonna be doing a marriage conference. And so I began to pray, Lord, would you really give me something to teach on? I don't know what I'm gonna teach on. And it's as if the Lord said, are you kidding me? Uh, you teach on the four colors of marriage. And so I went back to the office, I sat down, took out my Bible and began to study marriage. And it was amazing, God very quickly just kind of unloaded a few truths for me concerning what a marriage in the red, yellow, green, and the blue look like. And so, not only did he do that, but he helped me to build a strategy to grow and progress through all four colors. Now, what we need to know this morning is that we're really just going to focus on marriage in the red, but the next few weeks will obviously hit the other color schemes. And so, I'm going to challenge you to pay very close attention to all four colors in the days ahead, and then, Lord willing, we'll see a progression in your married life so that your marriage becomes all that it could be. Now, I do have a few presuppositions before we begin this morning. One of those presuppositions is that a lot of people in their marriage, they think if they're not having any arguments of home, then everything is fine. So, you know, you can ask somebody, how's your marriage? And you're thinking, well, we're not arguing, so it must be great, right? And uh, there's some people who gauge their marriage that way, which leads me to the second presupposition, and that is, because some people gauge their mirrors that way, they never see that they actually can be impactful for God's kingdom through their marriage. So they totally miss out on why God set up a marriage to begin with and gives you an opportunity to make an impact for his namesake. Which leads me to the third presupposition. And that is that the gospel of Jesus flows through relationships. So God's gospel actually flows through the marriage relationship. You see, God's ultimate desire is that the gospel of his son, Jesus Christ, coming and dying for the sins of humanity and being resurrected from the grave and offering forgiveness of salvation and a brand new life in him, this gospel actually should be flowing through your marriage relationship in mine and reaching out to other people so that they might be saved. Are y'all out there say yes? So this gospel, that was three of you. Y'all out here say yes? So that gospel, it flows through relationships, and that's true in all relationships, but specifically, we focus our attention on marriage this morning. So with those things in mind, we'll begin by asking a very simple question. What does a marriage in the red look like? And what I want you to do is really take copious notes this morning because we're going to give you a challenge as we prepare to leave that you can do every single day. And Chris and I are going to do this in our marriage, and I'm going to challenge you as well. So even if you're listening, you say, well, man... I am not in the red. I still want you to apply the principles this week to your married life, and then next week we'll pick up with yellow, and we'll do the same thing with green and blue. Everybody with me say yes? Amen. So let's talk about what a marriage in the red looks like. It's really characterized by three major words. The first word is the word isolation. 
So turn in your Bibles with me, if you will, to Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 1. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 1. And when I speak about isolation, this describes a marriage where either the husband or the wife begin to spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and or sexually separate from one another. Now, you notice the verse with me, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse one. If you got it there, say amen. The Bible says, and I hear some pages rattling, so let me give you a little bit of time. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse one. We gotta go quick now. The Bible says, he who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. Now, if you study the Bible kind of like I do, you circle certain words. And one of the words that I would circle is the word isolate. The term isolate here literally means to pull away or separate completely. Now, when would a husband pull away and separate or isolate himself from his wife? Well, the Bible says that he will do so when he is seeking his own desire. Now, again, I would circle that word desire. It literally means his own lust, his own appetites, and his own selfish cravings. So when a person is driven by their own desires, the Bible says that they will quarrel against all sound wisdom. And the term for quarrel speaks of the act of fighting against raising a voice against any effective truth. And here's what I know this morning beyond a shadow of a doubt. There are some men here and you are living for your own personal desires. And so even in the context of sharing biblical truth, some of you men, you're gonna listen and then when you leave, you're gonna fight with all of your being against these truths. It's because you're so controlled by your own selfish desires that it has blinded you to the fact that you are ruining both your life as well as the life of your wife. So I want to encourage you men, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, he would break the scales off your eyes, that you might be able to see where you really are as a husband, and then seek to grow spiritually so you can make an impact for God's kingdom through your marriage. And so we'd encourage you to do that. Now, we could also apply this to a wife as well. You know, the wife who pulls away from her husband is seeking her own selfish desires, and she will oppose any effective truth or sound wisdom. So let me make a statement this morning and listen closely. Before you live a life isolated from your spouse, you have to choose to live a life isolated from God. Are y'all listening? Before you choose to live isolated from your spouse, you first have to choose to be isolated from God. And you know, oftentimes doing premarital counseling, what I'll do is take a sheet of paper and I will draw a triangle on it. Can you see that triangle in your imagination right now? So I have a triangle drawn. At the top of the triangle, I put God. At the bottom left-hand corner of the triangle, I put the husband's name. Bottom right hand, I put the wife's name. All right, y'all with me? You got the triangle. So I say to him, I say, sir, husband, your number one priority in life needs to be the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to be pursuing him with every fiber of your being, growing spiritually with him, learning his word, spending time in prayer. And as you do that, you will move up that triangle closer and closer to God. Wife, that needs to be your priority as well. Seek the Lord with all your heart, love him with all your heart, mind, and soul, the Bible says. And then as you grow, you will go up closer to God. Notice what's happening here. As they grow closer to the Lord, they grow closer to one another. Did y'all see that? Now, simultaneously, if you as a husband choose to say, well, I don't want to grow my relationship with Jesus. I'll just kind of live my own life. You'll be going down this side of the triangle. And if the wife does the same thing, look, you get further and further apart from one another. So before you ever choose to be isolated from your spouse, you really have already chosen to be isolated from God. You're pulling yourself away from him, rebelling against his laws, not paying attention to his word, and you're seeking your own selfish desires. Now, this may shock you this morning, but isolation is evidence of demonic oppression. Isolation is evidence of demonic oppression. You know, in Mark chapter 5, we're given a picture of a man who is possessed by a demon. Scripture describes his isolation. Scripture says that he's dwelling among the tombs in the mountains. Constantly night and day, he is screaming and he is gashing himself with stones. And this man who was possessed by a demon was actually driven away to a place which was considered unclean by Jewish law. That's were the tombs. As well, he isolated himself from others. He was unable to find satisfaction. That's why he's screaming. That's why he is cutting himself. You see, when the enemy begins to work against a marriage, he will begin to push you around. Now, while a child of God cannot be possessed by a devil, a child of God can indeed be oppressed by one. 
In other words, the enemy's desire is to divide the marriage so that you are never able to reach your full potential for God's kingdom. That's why when couples are having issues and problems in their marriage, they come up with what they think are great solutions. So they kind of say to each other, well, why don't we just separate for a little while until we know exactly what we want to do? And then they go a step further. Before you know it, the isolation leads the couple to say, well, uh, uh, we just don't love each other anymore. You know, we, we are in two different places. We're going in two different uh, directions, have two different plans. Why don't we just kind of separate for a little bit and see kind of what happens there? We just don't love each other anymore. Can I say something for free? Look at the preacher just a moment. Hey, love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. And there are a lot of people, what happens is whenever they start dating, the one that they married to, you know, they get their little butterflies and their heart kind of beats real fast. And every time you see her walk in the room, you just kind of, you know, you don't know what to do with yourself. You know what I mean? It's like, good night. Here she comes. Here she comes. And then you get married. <laughs> are y'all listening? And all of a sudden that lightheadedness that you used to have is gone. Uh, those butterflies that used to fill up your stomach and when your heart used to kind of beat out of its chest, it just kind of disappears. And a lot of people sit back and assess the situation and say, well, we must have just fallen out of love. No, you didn't. You never understood what love was to begin with. Love is a choice. You choose to love your spouse, just like the Bible says God chose to love you. Right? And aren't you glad, by the way, that, listen, God's love is not based on a feeling. It's based on a choice. It's based on truth. <laughs> I didn't think about that in the early service. That's pretty good, though, wasn't it? <laughs> so anyway, what happens is marriage in the red is they kind of go straight into a conversation of divorce. So they not only say, let's separate for a little while, but then they go a step further and they say, well, hey, maybe we should just get a divorce. Maybe we ought to just call it quits. And while the Lord is deeply saddened by such statements, the enemy, he's wringing his hands because he senses a temporary victory coming. Now, ladies and gentlemen, do you know what the Bible says and really what God says about divorce? God says in Malachi chapter 2 and verse 16, I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. I didn't hear that. What did God say he did with divorce? Somebody say it out loud. Yeah, raise your voices real loud. What did he say? He says, I hate divorce. And so we know that is God's intention. He hates it. He's made a choice to hate that. And God instituted marriage to be an earthly picture of a heavenly truth. The heavenly truth is that Jesus is the groom to his bride, the New Testament church. You see, the earthly marriage between a woman and a man is to serve as a shadow of the relationship between Jesus and the New Testament church. Therefore, when a couple begins to talk about divorce and move in that direction, they are marring the very picture that God painted of his son, Jesus, and his bride, the church. So be careful. Let me just kind of warn you at this particular moment, very plainly, some of you are contemplating divorce as an option, all right? That's what you're, you, you've talked about it this week. So like, you know, I think that's probably a good idea. Look at a preacher. No, it is not a good idea. God hates divorce. And you need to know that you are moving into territory which God says he absolutely loathes. And I remember hearing about a man who was uh, married and so desired to make sure that divorce was not an option, that he went through his house and went through every single book and every typed article and looked for the word divorce. And every single time he found it, he would cut the word out and he would throw it away into the garbage. So if you're talking about divorce as an option, here's what I would say to you as your pastor. If you're talking about divorce as an option, here's what your pastor says, stop it. Stop talking about that. You don't go into marriage with the idea, well, if this don't work out, we'll just leave each other. God didn't go into a relationship with you saying, well, if this don't work out, I'll just leave them. Are y'all out there? So we've got to be very careful. And please don't come to me. Please don't come to me. And say, well, preacher, you know, I've been talking, and I just think me and my wife, we're just going to separate for a little while. Dumb. All right, please don't come and tell me you think that's what the Lord wants you to do, all right? Because that is not what the scriptures teach. The Bible says you are to be with one another, all right? So you stay together. And that doesn't mean it's going to be difficult. How many of you know marriage is not easy, all right? It's not easy. Y'all ask my wife. She knows it's not easy, amen? She's got to put up with me. But you know what's wild about that? It's that she chooses to love me. She knows me warts and all. Y'all see preacher Levi up here behind the pulpit, and you're thinking, good night, that boy's so spiritual. She sees me at the house. Y'all all right? 
She sees me after I've mowed the grass and I've been sweating, all right? And yet she still chooses to love me. <laughs> and everybody said, I just think, man, I really got it going on as far as my wife's concerned. She just flat out loves me and I'm unconditionally and I'm, you know, very appreciative of that. That's awesome. And I love her the same way. Now she's over there keeping the nursery, so y'all make sure y'all tell her I said all that. Be good. <laughs> But marriage in the red, man, it's isolation. Here, here's the deal. Whenever a person separates themselves and they say, you know what, I, I just want to kind of leave the marriage for a little bit. Let me get over here so I can think right, uh, which is so messed up. All right. But anyway, they, they say this. What they're really doing is going after their own selfish desires. They're pursuing their own dreams and plans. And that is unbiblical. Isolation is not an option. Now, we could talk about where God gives uh, freedom for divorce, but we'll do that in another sermon. But let's go ahead to the second uh, color, or I'm sorry, second characteristic of the color red, and that is the characteristic known as independence. And go ahead and turn in your Bible to 2 Samuel chapter 11. It's in the Old Testament as well, 2 Samuel chapter 11. And as you are looking there, let me describe what it's like to be in a marriage where there is independence being exercised. This describes a marriage where the husband and the wife have become merely roommates living in the same house. You know, I've even had a couple describe themselves in that manner to me. And somebody has said, in a like manner like this, they said, it was as if I was living in a college dorm with some random person that was assigned to me. And you know, I don't know what your situation is in here this morning. You may be sitting next to someone, and you're like, that is us. It's just like, she's my roommate, or he's my roommate just living independent lives. Well, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, 1 through 5, we read this. Then it happened in the spring at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David stayed at Jerusalem. Now when evening came, David arose from his bed and walked around on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful in appearance. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent messengers and took her, and when she came to him, he lay with her. And when she had purified herself from her uncleanness, she returned to her house, and the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, saying, I am pregnant. Now, this is the classic uh, story in the Old Testament of adultery. However, when I read these verses, I cannot help but wonder... Where in the world is David's wife? You know, why are they not together? Could it be that they were living independent lives of one another? There's no doubt in my mind this was the case. You know, I think that describes many marriages in our day and age as well. I mean, you know one another, you know, you're in the house and you pass each other in the hallway. Uh, you're off to your job, sir. Uh, she's off to her job. Uh, you see each other at night, but you have kind of different routines and and then whenever you see one another, there's never real authentic relationship, conversation. But instead, you know, the wife will say to the husband, well, husband, you know, how was your day today at work? Well, it was good, you know. How was your day? Well, it was fine. And that's about the extent of it. And you're just roommates, man, just kind of coexisting. And the temptation whenever you fall into living lives of independence is when you start living this way, your eyes grow attractive to other people. So the great temptation of isolation is divorce. The great temptation of independence is an affair. Just like David did, he went looking out from his roof over at Bathsheba. And so, you know, the husband, he goes looking at the internet. And so, uh, you know, he goes and finds some porno pornography that he can check into and look into. And that's how some of you men are in here this morning. I don't mean to be so blunt, but some of you, as soon as your wife goes to bed and your children are off to sleep and the dark is around, you sneak around, you go to your internet and you look at all these websites you can possibly find and you just immerse your brain into the world of pornography. And the reality is you're sitting back thinking, well, it's not really that big of a deal. Yes, it is. Because the Bible says that if you look at a person with lust in your heart, it's considered adultery from God's standpoint. And so some people are out there, they're just lusting. And can I say to you, sir, what happens to you when you get called into the web of pornography? You begin to take the images that you find on the screen, and then you take them back in your mind, and then you start looking at your wife, and you start making comparisons. And then before you know it, you start just dogging out your wife for how she looks, how she dresses, how she acts. 
You ought to be ashamed of yourself to do such a thing to your wife as that. That ought to be the very precious jewel of your wife. And yet you compare her. And then before you know it, you, you are so compelled by your own selfish desires and your lust, you will even come to church and you can't even look at a woman without lusting after her. What a shame it is. And it's all because you've got caught up into the web. And everywhere you go, that's all you do. You're just looking at ladies as objects. God help you. We'd not fall into such temptation and sin. But you know, the husband not only goose, but the wife also she does as well. She strolls through the office, you know, looking around for conversation from other men. Before you know it, a lack of significance found at home in the marriage relationship seems to be finding satisfaction in the conversation with another. So the man, you know, he goes on a business trip, and before you know it, man, he's got, he's just, he just struck up a conversation with this lady, and it's just going so well. And she just makes him feel so good, and those little butterflies come back, and you think, oh, man, I think I'm in love again. No, you're not. You're infatuated, bro. You've got a problem. And the reality, what's so amazing is how these men will listen to these other women talk to them and actually believe what they say. So like, you, you're the best looking thing I've ever seen. No, you're not. <laughs> and then they sit down and say, well, I'll tell you what, if I was your wife, I would do this and that. If I was this way, and, and you're just hook, line, and sinker, man. And then you fall into a night of adultery, and yet what you thought was going to be so marvelous the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, turns out being gravel in your teeth. So this is awful. You say, well, Levi, you're preaching to the choir. No, I ain't either. I've known many a men who went to church every single Sunday and committed affairs on their wives every weekend. I knew one old joker. He had a girlfriend in just about every state. But he'd come to church on Sunday morning and sing to Jesus Well, then, you know, you've got the ladies, and I don't mean to, y'all still with me say yes? Y'all look real nervous, I can tell. But the ladies, I know what they do, they, well, not all of them, but some of them, they, at least I've heard, they get online and get on Facebook. Don't sit out here and act like you don't know what I'm talking about. You get on Facebook, and all of a sudden, all these old people start showing up from high school. And, and the lady said, I remember Jim. Oh, I'll be his friend. And then before you know it, there's a little chat that pops up and start talking with old Jim. And then the little chat becomes, hey, let's get together and have a cup of coffee. And then the coffee goes a little further, committing an affair. But the deal is they sit around and say, well, I just, my husband just doesn't make me feel this way anymore. And the conversation fills some void, brings excitement, leads to an affair. And where the Lord is saddened, the enemy once again wrings his hands in temporary victory over what has occurred. And listen, you know, we can insert another warning here, sir. And listen, I don't know who I'm talking to, but sir, you think you're flirting at the office ain't a big deal. It is a big deal. You better stop that mess. Because it always starts with that emotional flirting. And you get out there and say a few things and make her feel good. And she says a few things make you feel good. Boy, you better run as fast as you can. Paul the Apostle told Timothy he ought to flee from immorality. And when he used the word flee, he used the Greek word uh, fuego, where we get our English word fugitive. You know what that means? That means, sir, you should always be on the run from an affair. <laughs> That's a pretty cool ringtone, I ain't gonna lie. We'll let it slide. Had it been that T-Mobile jingle, I'd have jumped off his platform. I'd have beat you down. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, listen, let's get for real. You know what the deal is? Some of you are in this building, and I, I, listen, some of you are in this building, and you are either this close to an affair or you're already caught up in one. And then some of you are looking at your past and saying, oh, preacher, I know, I, I've been through that, and I, I, I have had an affair before. Well, what should I do? Well, good news for you. God's grace will forgive you, right? So you know what you ought to do? You ought to pray like David did. David prayed in Psalm 51 after he was really, somebody got in his face and said, hey, you're the man who's committing sin. And he understood what he had done with Bathsheba to be ungodly in the sight of the Lord. In Psalm 51, here's what he prayed. Listen to what he prayed. He said it like this, create in me a clean heart, O God. That's what some of you need to pray. You just need to say, Lord, create in me a clean heart. And please listen, because this is awesome. Uh, the word create in Psalm 51 is the same word found in Genesis chapter 1, where the Bible says God created the heavens and the earth. 
All right, now listen. Are y'all listening to say yes? This gets good. I love this part. The Bible teaches that whenever God created the heavens and the earth, he created it, uh, scholars say, ex nihilo. That means he created something out of nothing. Y'all with me? Now, if I was going to create something, I'd have to have something, wouldn't I? I mean, if I'm going to build something, I'm going to have to have some wood, put it all together. But God just spoke it into existence. Now, whenever David is convicted of his own sin of adultery and he falls over before the Lord and begins to pray, that's what comes out of his mouth. Lord, create in me a clean heart. So what he's saying is this, Lord, I know when you look down here at my life, there is nothing from which you can take and begin to work with. So in the same way that you spoke something out of nothing in Genesis chapter 1, speak something out of nothing into my heart and speak into my chest a clean heart, O God. That's what some of us need this morning, just to pray, create in me a clean heart, O God. And God will answer that prayer. You come in repentance, and he'll change you. Set your feet back right. Marriage in the red, man. It's isolation, it's independence. Can I give you all the final phrase? And that is the word invisible walls. And I'm taking my watch off here, and some of you are probably saying, what does that mean? Absolutely nothing. Y'all all right? Doesn't mean anything. Look with me at Colossians chapter 3 in your Bible. Flip it over real fast now. Colossians chapter 3. Talk about these invisible walls. You know, I see these walls all the time in married relationships. The problem is that the husband and wife are at odds with one another. They can't see them. Uh, That's why we call them invisible walls. These are walls they have constructed themselves, which hinder them from experiencing a biblical marriage. These walls are constructed when either the husband or the wife begin to live based upon their old nature instead of their new nature in Jesus Christ. So look with me, if you will, Colossians 3, 8 through 10. You've got it there in front of you? Say amen. If not, just look on the screen. The Bible says, but now you also. Put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and you have put on the new self who has been renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Now in this text of scripture, Paul the apostle is speaking to the church at Colossae and he's saying to them, here's how you ought to relate to one another in the body of Christ. But the principles that we take from this text can also be applied to our marriage relationships. And so whenever he says you need to take these things off, it literally gives the imagery of taking off old clothes. And when he says you need to put these things on, it gives the imagery of putting on new clothes. Somebody says, well, what are the new clothes? Well, look at Colossians 3 and verse 12. He says, so that those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on, there's that idea of putting on something, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so you should also forgive. So here in this text of Scripture, he says, take off anger. That's a fierce desire uh, to punish another person. In this case, your spouse. Uh, Wrath, take it off. It's a passionate fury bent on exploding at some point. Malice, it's wicked craving to bring harm to your spouse. Slander, it's the act of blaspheming uh, another person. That is your spouse saying things about them to others to bring them down. Then there's abusive speech. Uh, It's talk that hurts deeply, and you say things to your wife, sir, that are just, I mean, you ought to be ashamed to even say, you wouldn't say that, you shouldn't say things like you're saying to your wife. Talk so ugly to her, call her names. Uh, New nature, compassion is to be merciful toward one another and not give them what they may deserve. Put on kindness, be upright and generous toward one another. Put on humility, putting another person's interest above your own. And then gentleness is an attitude of mildness. Patience, have a short fuse. Forgiveness is the ability to free somebody. So don't you see it this way. Uh, As soon as you came to faith in Jesus Christ, you actually received an entirely new wardrobe. You got some new clothes to wear. And some of you ladies should be excited about this, amen? You got some new clothes, but here's the deal. Really, it's kind of like you have two closets now, all right? In one closet, you've got the old nature. This is what your old life used to be like. This is the, these are the shirts you used to wear. Then as soon as you came to faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus said, hey, I got you a new closet right here. And this is what I want you to wear now. Right? So what Paul the Apostle says, he says, take off this stuff. So what are we taking off? Well, we're taking off anger. How many of you know there are some people who are wives, who are husbands, they go to their house, this is the shirt they wear. 
They blow up all the time at their spouse. They act like crazy people. Don't, don't y'all out there? I mean, I, I've heard about wives who are throwing stuff at their husbands. <laughs> Take that shirt off, man. Quit wearing that. You're crazy. <laughs> hey, can I share a story with y'all? Well, no, I want to hold on to that one. Krista didn't throw anything at me, just to let you know that. It had nothing to do with that. Here it is, it's wrath. You put this mess on, and wrath is actually the desire to get back at somebody, pour out some hate. You're like, I was wronged, my husband did this, and now, boy, I cannot wait to unleash Hades on them. So you put this on, act that way at your house, and then malice, uh, really, which is akin uh, to slander and abusive speech. They all kind of go together. But you know, slander's like this, and a lot of ladies will put this one on when they're hanging out with their friends, their lady friends. They sit around and they say, well, let me tell you about what my husband did. And then they just rag their husband out left and right over all the things that slander. Take that shirt off, quit acting like that. All you're doing is building up invisible walls. Husband, you may be the same way. You may go to work and say, well, let me tell you what my old lady did. You better get a life, man. Y'all all right? You better take that shirt off, quit talking junk about your wife. Amen. And then we go a step further. Let me just give you abusive speech, and this is what a lot of people wear. It's shocking what some wives will say to their husbands or what some husbands will say to their wives. Uh, in fact, on one occasion, and it uh, wasn't anybody in this church, so breathe easy when I share this story with you. I was riding in my car, and the phone rang, and I turned it over, and I knew the name, so I answered it and said, hello? 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 I could hear all this talking in the background. They had accidentally called me. Problem was, it was a husband and wife. They were driving in their car too, and they was fighting mad at each other. They was cussing each other left and right. These are some of the same people that was helping out in the ministry I was involved in. I mean, dropping bombs like you would not believe in the car. I mean, I got embarrassed for them. You know what I mean? And so I just hung up the phone. I always, nobody, they never said a word to me. But I've often thought, I wonder if they realized they called me. Because you know what, your cell phone keeps up with that, doesn't it? <laughs> Better watch what you call. If you call me, I'll listen. <laughs> Abusive speech. Well, check this out. What you're supposed to do with these shirts is you're supposed to put this mess to death. That's how you used to live. Stop living like that anymore. Don't go get dressed in this closet. All right? Come over here to this one, and then you start slipping on humility. You look out for the best interest of your wife. You look out for the best interest of your husband. You slip this shirt on. This is compassion. All right? You show compassion to your husband. Hey, listen, wife, if your husband's not doing good financially, don't rag him out and say he's not a man. Have some compassion. Love on him. We'll go a step further. Now, I don't know who that was for. I don't know who I said that to, but... It's kindness. Just be kind to each other. Have you ever thought about that one? 